Welcome to the Cali Ag Podcast. I'm Tyler Colombaro, and I'm the host of this podcast. This podcast will ultimately be an exploration into all aspects of California agriculture, from the crops, to the land, to the water. Listener, if you were not aware, the state of California provides an unquantifiable amount of produce to the world. We will feature guests on each episode that work and lead the agricultural trajectory and symbiosis within the state of California. So listener, join us, tell your friends, and tell a farmer about the Cali Ag Podcast. Folks, we are here with George Angeles. He is the weed management and ecology advisor for University of California Cooperative Extension Program for Tulare, Kings, and Fresno County, which is pretty wild, which is where he also got his bachelor's and his master's degree in plant science at Fresno State. And it seems like you did a little bit of research for DuPont Chemical Company back in the day. Does that sound like I'm on the money here doing my research, uh, George? Yeah, uh, yep. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, was, uh, I got my master's and bachelor's from, from Fresno State. And while... While I work on my master's degree, uh, I, I was working at DuPont um, Chemical Company, and we were we, we mostly did a lot of uh, pesticide efficacy work uh, on different uh, insecticides and fungicides and herbicides. And uh, after um, about the about the time I finished my master's degree, I started working for the UC Cooperative Extension Weed Farm Advisor here in Tulare County, and that's that was my introduction to, to UC Cooperative Extension. And after I started, I just, uh, I, I, I kind of stayed. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. That's how they grab you up. They keep you in the system, yep. my friend. Once you're part of the UC, it's like you always, you're always part of the UC. Oh, yeah. yeah I still get emails back when I worked at uh, UC Kearney, which was in a, a Cooperative Extension spa outside of Reedley here right. in Parlier. And I worked there for a couple of years, but I still get emails from like that whole like kind of kind of not the inside emails, but like UC oriented stuff. I it's right. crazy, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's uh, it's been an interesting experience, and yeah, uh, I actually just got this uh, new position uh, back in May, and yeah, I'm I'm definitely excited to be working in weeds again. Uh, the, about the last five years after. Uh, I work with the with the farm advisor in weeds. Uh, I ended up working for the um, cotton specialist, and we did a lot of cotton variety work and a lot of different um, studies in in cotton involving nutrient and water use management, and and did a little bit of work also with industrial hemp. Oh, really? Like, um, like uh, on uh, the west side of Fresno or something like that? Yeah, they're at the they're at the um, UC um, West Side field station wow down at five points yeah i've been there before on that campus it's a nice little yeah. spot yeah and, and we did a lot of uh we we had a few studies where we explored uh new varieties of of industrial hemp um mostly at first we were doing a lot of um we, we were um evaluating a lot of the varieties that are used for um cpd oil production and then as the way that the industry kind of shifted to to more the growing the the um, fiber hemp varieties. 
but yeah, I mean, that's, that's been, uh, that's, uh, that's some of the work I've been doing in the last few years. And, and now, uh, I'm back to, uh, uh, working in weeds just because, uh, I, I did my, my master's in, in weed management and that's kind of the direction I want to take. Yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah. You went from one, like, you know, I'm, I'm joking, but you went from one weed operation to another weed operation and back and <laughs> forth. Right. You know, yeah, that's awesome yeah. though. Cause like, honestly, weeds, when we're talking about weeds, I bet you you'll give me a better definition, but I want to tell the listener, a weed is generalized as a plant that is out of place essentially somewhere um, yeah. because it's a plant of its own. It has an adaptation right. to the chemicals that are sprayed onto it. It has adaptations to the environment around it, all these things. Yeah. Um, but it is just a plant, but it's out of right. place, meaning we don't want it there for some reason, right. whatever the reason, you know. Um, yeah. But it, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the money with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you pretty much hit the definition spot on. I mean, some of these plants, you know, uh, people will grow them for as ornamentals and stuff. And, you know, once they get introduced into fields, you know, we, we categorize them as weeds because they're growing out of place. They're causing problems right. competing with some of the crops that, that we grow. So yeah. Yeah. You pretty much hit it right on the spot. <laughs> well, I mean, it's interesting because I feel like when I was younger, I never thought about weeds or plants or the difference really other than my dad would say he's going to go spray weeds but I yeah. never questioned what those plants were because usually he would put pre-emergent and use Roundup in the off-season, whatever, going back and forth, alternating, but mainly between those two, I'm sure. And it was like I would never see any weeds growing on the gravel or right around the house, which means oh. I grew up in an environment where that was constantly spraying, yes. But it, it is what it is. It's just interesting because yeah. I didn't really know. I didn't grow up on a farm. I didn't, I didn't uh, learn from books, I guess, because I wasn't into like plant books when I was younger. Yeah. about weed species or plant species really at all. But now as I got older and I got so invested into plants and then I started taking plant science classes and of course there's yeah. nutrition courses, there's pesticide courses, blah, blah, blah. And we talk about, mm-hmm. you know, the yeah. forbidden fruit of weeds, you know, how they can really thrive even if you throw everything at it. Sometimes they're just a remarkable right. species. And I think that that's why I think highly of weeds and as, as a general category. Yeah. But I also know that I have a property and I grow like figs and different uh you know perennial crops that i can't have something take over i can't have the nut sedge take over my area here you know just because i wouldn't be able to access the tree it wouldn't get light right right? those are my concerns more than it like looking pretty and clean i don't need that i just don't want something to take over but i still feel that chemicals have a good place in this agricultural environment you know yeah what, what could you say about that kind of stuff? Because you've worked with them more than me or probably even the listener has. Let's be real. I, I would like to see what well, your opinion is like on, well, well, you know, using well, for pesticides. Like, uh, for like uh, weed management, I mean, you have different tools. And I think you have to use different, all the all, all the available tools you have. And one of them, and a very good one, is uh, the use of, of herbicides, I think. Um, you know, I mean, you can... You know, and it's important to kind of mix your management methods around. Like if if you're able to control some weeds, you know, cost effectively with uh, by like mowing weeds and stuff, you know, that's that's great and all. But I think if uh, uh, the ability to use herbicides gives us the ability to kind of prevent some of those weeds from from popping up in the first place, like the like the use of pre-emergent herbicides, and you know, as long as there you follow the the, the label rate and you follow all the safety precautions and 
you know, they can be a, a very valuable tool to use in terms of weed management. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different uh, weeds that are very problematic and don't, you, you can't really control them well by, by, by the use of, of what we call mechanical control or by disking them or by tilling them. Uh, just some examples is like, uh, like nutsedge. Nutsedge will start growing on an, an underground tuber, and if you don't pull out that tuber when you pull out that weed, that little tuber is going to produce like three or, more, or four more uh, nutsedge plants. Wow. Or yeah, or 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 uh, stuff that they're dealing with, like a like in West Fresno, like with uh, with field bindweed taking over tomato fields and and being a problem in different. Um, orchard systems uh those uh weeds like field bindweed will tend to like uh under the right conditions they can germinate from like 10 feet below ground and you can till them and you can rip them out but if you leave like root fragments all the root fragments underground i mean that has the potential of germinating even more weeds so bindweed we we also call that like morning glory as another common yeah. term right like it looks like that yeah. right yeah, so a yeah, lot of people yeah, plant that as like a purdy thing to put on their you know in their oh, ornamental yeah. situation or whatever but it's like you know oh I'll, I'll never kill it but it's like man the yeah. seeds that come from that will never never oh, not grow yeah. right there it's a beautiful but also kind of hard to deal with because right. you were maybe going to get into like it, the 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 bad part of having morning glory near some kind of crop, obviously, is that it grows yeah. over it. It's a viner. It needs oh, yeah. to go over the top of something. So it literally will choke trees out, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it competes with trees for, like, sunlight. So it'll tend to climb on top of the trees and start causing a bunch of problems. And, if you know, if they're getting into almonds, that can probably cause some concerns with harvest and stuff. And, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's one of those perennials that's very problematic and even with the use of herbicides, I mean, it's still kind of tough to control, but at least, you know, we have, you know, another tool of, of weed management that we can use against this type of weed. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, yeah, it's, it's one of those very problematic weeds, I guess. Yeah, totally. And these, these species, they're all so like, so hardy. I don't know. What else to oh, call yeah. them? They just yeah. don't die. Like you're saying, you, you rip them out from the surface or whatever. Yeah. Well, if you didn't get the whole, whole thing, it's yeah. going to just grow back. And it's going to be like maybe closer to the ground and harder to grab now or mow. Yep. It's just going to grow real low maybe, but it's still going to get yeah. real dense and thick. I don't yeah. know. And the the one of the key things is trying to prevent it from going to seed because like some if, if, if you let it go to seed and – you know, it starts producing a massive, massive amounts of, of seeds. Those, uh, those seeds can be viable for up to like 30 years, I think. Right. About. Yeah. And so just one plant has so many flowers on it. They yep. turn to seed and it yeah. ain't, it ain't just two or like four, mm-hmm. like humans have children. Like it has yeah. all these little seeds. It's ready to just let the yes. wind take them and plant them wherever yeah. they can grow. Yep. And they, it, and it can withstand like, uh, Man, it's 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 one of those weeds that can withstand herbicides pretty well. Like you can, if you know, if, to to be able to control it with Roundup, you have to like spray it when it's like at its second or third leaf stage. But when it's growing, like in like in processing tomatoes, I mean, you won't see it until it creeps over the plant sometimes. And 
and it's also one of those uh, weeds that can flower at a very early stage. Like it'll have like maybe a few leaves on it. It'll start to flower if it's if it feels like it's stressed. It'll start to flower really quickly. Right. Yeah. You're talking about morning glory still, right? Bind weeds. Yeah. Bind weeds. <laughs> yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, it's it's relatively the same thing except uh, morning glory is uh, is uh, has colored uh, flowers on it. Oh, okay. Field bind weed often has uh, white flowers. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's but, yeah, an interesting difference for sure. Because um, mm-hmm. I know they're not the exact interchangeable thing, but they're similar. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting, yeah, though, because you were talking about the seed bank a little bit. I feel like you touched mm-hmm. on that, like how they can live. These seeds can, like, stay viable. That would be the maybe the correct terminology yeah. for a long period of time. But, like, how long? Yeah. Like, how do we know? Uh, it's uh, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's documented that it, it can stay in the soil for up to, like, 30 years. Wow. So, I mean, once you have it. I mean, one of the, you know, what, what you're basically trying to do is trying to prevent it from going to seed and building that seed bank even more. But I mean, so I, I, I've heard other weed scientists say, you know, once you have it, it's, it's going to be on there for, for a while. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really tough to control if you, if you're already growing in a field, like, like if you're growing crops in a field that's already infested with field bindweed or morning glory. Right. Yeah. Well, I know yeah, that I mean, it takes just, water, right, to to sprout a seed though, too. So, like, even yeah, it, in a fallowed field, though, I've seen mm-hmm. these these bind yeah. weeds growing where you could tell there ain't been water on that land for at least yeah. like a couple years, and they're just going hard. They're just nice little green, beautiful thing, yep. growing out there in the middle of nowhere. But yeah, like um, uh, like uh, it'll grow like in dry winters. Like it just needs a little bit of water just to get it going and. You know, uh, once the plant feels like it's a little stress, you know, it'll start to flower and produce more. And it won't, uh, it's it's very, uh, I guess you can say you can, it can be water stressed for a long time and still thrive. It seems like it's one of those ones, kind of like uh, Asteraceae, like the sunflower family, kind of. Oh, they yeah. seem to go far. You find them everywhere, like on every continent too, or some of some variation. Maybe not the same yeah. type of sunflower plant, but like Asteraceae family. It's interesting. Yeah. They travel. Mm-hmm. And I know yeah. in a wet year, they seem to land wherever they've landed, right, in, in the world. Seeds blow off in the wind, get on your pant leg, you brush it off somewhere else. Oh, yeah. And it lands somewhere and gets tucked in this little nook and cranny that is just mm-hmm. perfect for waiting for the water to come. And then we have a wet year. All of those seeds may have sprouted, or maybe the oh. ones that were ready to go, or whatever were in the right conditions went. But it a really wet year, a lot of saturation. I'm sure there's a lot right. more weeds to compete with, which you oh, like are specializing in. And I know you're about to do some like speeches. I feel like for some people soon on this topic. But I wanted to ask yeah. you about that. I feel like okay. what's what's coming. Uh, what do you think is coming with this next season? Because we're ending the water year. It is officially October 2023, yeah. right? And the water year ends in September, technically, right? So yeah. we're beginning a new water year into the 2024 water year, right? which is really cool. But also, we had a wet 2023 water year. Yeah. And I've talked about it on this podcast almost on every episode because it's mm-hmm. been something that farmers and everyone has been talking about. It's, yeah. a un, it's, not, it's like impossible to not notice. Like, um, right. But with weed management... What does that mean? Like, what are we what are we looking forward to dealing with? 
it's uh it's 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 gonna be difficult to kind of uh, do a lot of the weed management plans um just because the the if we're if we're already expecting a, a wet year it's uh it's gonna start to um i guess um increase the germination for the winter annuals in some of the crops um uh-huh. and usually you know usually when it starts raining it starts raining non-stop so that kind of you know, puts us in a position where it's a, uh, it's it's wet soils and, and you can't go under with any any type of heavy machinery to do any of your spraying, and to do any of your mowing and orchards and stuff. And it's it's gonna be it's gonna um, create a lot of problems in trying to um, time your weed management uh, methods. And to be able to, you know, to be able to do your a lot of your spraying during the winter time, and you know that's going to create problems because if you can't go in there and you and you can't apply your pre-emergence early in the in the winter, then you start having a lot of weeds germinate and kind of have to rely more on on, on your post-emergent applications. And sometimes that those don't work very well for the winter annuals and. You know, and you can't just let the weeds thrive either, because that you're gonna be building up your uh, your seed bank as well. So, um, yeah, it's 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 gonna it's gonna rely a lot on on monitoring the the weather conditions and trying to time your applications efficiently. And yeah, just uh, be very you can be very selective about what herbicides to use as well, just because I know some of the some of the pre-emergent herbicides have a lot of, uh, there's a lot of concerns with, with them leaching into the soil. So that's also gonna, that's also one of the factors that's going to be affected during the wet year. Um, the efficiency of some of these pre-emergent herbicides, just because what, if, if you were to get them in the ground, um, and there's continuous rainfall over the course of, of weeks or possibly months, I mean, that can, actually leach some of these herbicides and decrease their their efficacy um uh-huh. and also for 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 like post-emergent herbicides that have a long requirement of like uh like like rain fast like like if you were to apply uh some post-emergent herbicides and it rains you know within a few hours or whatnot it, it tends to wash off the herbicides off the weeds and and just decrease their effectiveness i could totally I mean, see that for sure absolutely i mean those are just some of the main concerns i guess with the with the with the with the way like talking about weed management a wet year i i think a lot of it is you know you have wet soil conditions and you're unable to go in there with you know with with the tractor or sprayer into the field just because if you if you if you if you go in there when it's not dry enough, then you start dealing with a lot of soil compaction issues, and that can lead to a decrease in in uh, in crop root development, and you you'll end up having a lot of water infiltration issues. Right. And yeah, it it just creates a lot a lot more other problems if you uh, if you start to work soils are too wet. Right. Yeah, and I mean, I can imagine too if it's like all muddy, you're making ruts and you're messing up the structure. 
of the way that the right. water's supposed to run off and whether it's like a furrow or whatever the situation is. Yeah. And 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 also like uh especially like in the winter annual weeds, um like some examples are like chi- uh, like cheeseweed and fillery that tends to grow during the winter, bluegrass. I mean, there's a there's a some post-emergent herbicides that don't work very well when 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 some of these weeds are like stressed due to water lock conditions or or just have too much moisture so uh, definitely you'll probably see a, a, a decrease in efficacy on on, on some of the post emergent herbicides that are available like in in these wet conditions right. that's also one of the concerns right which means maybe people some people might try to make more applications but it's like that's not really the issue now you're just putting too yeah. much of the product now into the root zone perhaps right you know Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is what it is. Like I get what you're saying completely. I think the listeners probably on the same page with us too. It's interesting to think about how water affects every situation, really, uh, oh, especially yeah. things like this. And I think most people like that I've had on. We talked about like leaching of nutrients or just saturation in the ground where a lot of trees maybe rotted, getting phytophthora, yeah. some kind of oh, yeah. disease of some kind, or mm-hmm. even just. Um, having so much uh, extra moisture that it would make the yeah. it would create the plants to be more leggy, like they would shoot out extra growth and whatnot. Oh, yeah. But no one yet has talked about like the pushing down of herbicides, the dilution of the herbicides that are on the soil layer. There, um, there, uh, there are some concerns, uh, just because, uh, you know, we we're talking. I was talking about pre uh, the use of pre-emergent herbicides during the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lot of them. Like like uh, usually the the herbicides that tend tend to leach into the soil profile usually are the ones that are highly soluble in water and that have like a low um, soil absorption, which means pretty much it's the it's the measurement of the capability of the of the herbicide binding to the soil. Uh-huh. So if, so so if it has a low ab- absorption value, you know it's it's not going to stick very well to the soil and it's it, it tends to leach um so yeah that's a that's a that's a that's another problem too uh when you when you have such a wet winter and you have very um you can have very uh frequent rains or 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 you can have uh you know a week where you know you have heavy rains in one day you know um so yeah i mean definitely you'll probably see uh uh, a decrease in efficacy uh, with the use of of, so, uh, of some of the pre-emerge herbicides that that have uh, that are highly soluble in water and that have a low uh, uh, absorption value. Um, yeah, definitely, and and I think um, one of the ways that that one of the workarounds you can do to try to avoid herbicides leaching into the soil is trying to split your applications, maybe try to do one in the in the winter and, and do another one in the spring you know just before yeah, those uh, those late rains disappear just because a lot of these pre-emerged herbicides it's it's better if they're incorporated with with uh, with with rain and I know just about up to March is when you have the the last rains that are probably higher than half an inch uh-huh. usually in the April uh, just from just from uh, weather reports from like the SIMA station and just looking at precipitation data, it it didn't seem like we got like a lot of rains in, in April and 
I think we got like a slight drizzle in, in May. Uh-huh. So I, I think applying some of the do, doing a last application sometime in March might help with uh, with the control of some of the summer annuals, like such as like puncture vine, uh, nightshade, and pigweed, and other tougher grasses to control, like jungle rice and foxtail. Right. Yeah. For sure, it makes sense. Not only not only to like ensure efficacy of the product mm-hmm. that you're applying yes. to do it and maybe split like two different sprays, like one going into the rain year, one kind of mm-hmm. coming out of the heavy part of the rain year. Yes. And that seems really intelligent, honestly, because of the way you described it, where these plants that are not normally growing in the summertime, when you've put your first application, come on, come wintertime, say around yeah. here in the central Valley of California, that's how we do it. Mm-hmm. They put yeah. some pre-emergent herbicide down and then mm-hmm. um, it maybe would not allow the winter quote unquote winter weeds to grow right? right and then if you hit it again after that season's over none of those grow yeah. but now the summer weed seeds are about to sprout oh, yeah. right so you got to hit it with another herbicide that mm-hmm. works on those varieties too i'm sure there's different herbs uh pre-emergence even for different or are there uh, yeah there's uh yeah there's different ones you can apply um uh in the during the spring and because 24d uh, is the only one i know about i feel like that's the only one anyone who talks about for the most part but not yeah i don't know maybe yeah, not in, industry-wide but in the general household term 24d yeah. is as deep as it goes and i mean and it can be used in orchard systems but it just uh it has a lot of drift issues so you have to like time it really well during the winter time when you're trying to control a lot of the broadleaves and you know, just being more specific, some of the winter annual broadleaf weeds. Um, and, and it works really well for, like, weeds that are, like, meristels, like horseweed and fleabane. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I know there's a lot of people that have a lot of concerns just because it tends to easily drift into other sites where you don't want it. Uh-huh. Right. And then if it if it gets over there and it doesn't allow, essentially doesn't allow the seed to emerge pre emergent, then it well, could also maybe affect tomato seeds that they just planted as a field or something, right? I mean, maybe well, not, but if it works on that crop, well, I mean, it would well, not I mean, let it. Yeah, in. well, well, like two for D is like uh, it's more of a it's a it, it's a post emergent herbicide, so you're you're it's kind of like similar to what what uh, like Roundup, you know, you, you oh. spray the weeds when they're already present. Um, yeah, uh, pre-emergent herbicides tend to, um, you know, if they're applied correctly, uh, you usually won't see a lot of like drift. It's more, it's more concerns like with leaching and and you know, uh, getting them too close to the bark of the trees. Right. But yeah. No, I'm so sorry though, man. You're right. Two four D is a post emergent, but it kills monocots, right? That's or something like that, or or, or dicots it, only, or something like that yeah, wouldn't just harm monocots. Yeah. So like it's yeah, good it's, for a lawn pro- product or something because it doesn't kill the grass, yeah. but it'll kill everything else. Yeah. Okay, yeah, my I'll bad. But what's like a good? Br- I don't want to say brand name, but like what's some kind of name that people would know like a a pre emergent by? There's like an orange one, right? Uh, Super orange. Well, that, that, uh, well, that would be more like uh, like pendimethylene, which is prow. Okay. That's the that's the orange one, yeah. And that's uh, that's that one's very popular to control some of the summer grasses. Oh. And 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 it provides a, a, a long range of control, like several months, and it tends to control a lot of the a lot of the tougher grasses, like jungle rice, which 
in some parts of, uh, of the Central Valley, there's different biotypes of this weed that are resistant to glyphosate, which is uh, Roundup. Uh-huh. So it, uh, jungle rice can be a tough weed to control, but if you if you time your your a pre-emergent like pendimethalin, if you apply it, you know closer to the spring, um, yeah, you should be you should be okay. But yeah, so like like critical. like uh, like uh, other pre-emergent herbicides are available to be used like in trees. It's like like just some of the popular ones would be like Chateau, um, Allion, uh, Goal. Goal's a very popular Goal. one. Yeah. Um, Matrix. But I mean, you kind of have to like read the label because like some of these uh, herbicides have restrictions. You know, you can't use them. There's some you can't use in in and in, in non-bearing crops, and in some you can't use in both. So you just have to you have to just go over the label and and, and make sure you're able to apply some of these uh, herbicides and based on your cropping system. Absolutely. You got to pay attention to the labels, guys, yeah. and then swap but, them out, right, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I've heard of some of these for sure. Goal, Prowl. Um, yeah. And and most of them, uh, I think all of them have to be incorporated. And most, of, most of the time, growers will try to apply them just before a, a rain event. So, I mean, that's that's always good. There, there's a – I know there's herbicides like, like Treflon that – you have to incorporate it within three days after application. Uh, so, so on some of these, you you have a really small window to be able to incorporate them into the soil, or else they volatilize, or you, you you know you end up losing half of the effectiveness of the of, of these herbicides. I see. But, but I mean, when they're applied correctly, you know you'll get you know a couple months of control, and and I I think that's a uh, that's great. I mean, because you don't have to really rely too much on um, post-emerger besides which have a lot of concerns about uh there's a lot of concerns about uh herbicide resistance and some of these weeds developing resistance to you know to like roundup um and and other ones i get that yeah mm-hmm. it's so interesting because i'm just not yeah. stuck on like how weeds will take off anywhere plants will take off anywhere even with these herbicides, though, there's like you were saying resistance. So some of them you could say outsmart it over time, and uh, yes. I imagine some of these herbicides, like Prowl or Goal, like maybe some weeds out there have become a little more resistant too. But the way you said it at the end, it was really profound because you'd almost want to take care of the weeds before they're even there. Hitting them with oh, a post-emergent yeah. is really it's really tricky business. You yeah. have to make contact onto these plants and yeah. you have to get it like even and not overspray and drift like you said all this other stuff mm-hmm. it makes sense to like yeah. kind of try to nip it in the bud per se you know and and, and just to add on uh from what you were saying uh you know so a lot of the post-emerge herbicides you have to apply them to the when weeds are like relatively small like below four inches so you have to like almost get them at the right time if they're already big, it's going to probably require for you to spray that post-emergent herbicide a few times right. just to keep some of those weeds under control. Right. Yeah, mixing sprays and doing all this stuff, man. Oh, my gosh. You have a vast knowledge of this stuff, George. 
yeah, uh, I think uh, a lot of uh, a lot of my expertise comes from uh, weed management and permanent crops. Uh, I'm still learning a little bit more about some of the agronomic crops, but I will eventually start doing work and in, in some of the more agronomic crops, uh, just because I'm not too familiar. Like I I've, I've worked in cotton before, so I know kind of the the wheat program that a lot of growers and PCAs do like in cotton, but stuff like in wheat and we have so many dairies like in Tulare County, which I cover. And I kind of want to learn more about some of the stuff they use in like in wheat and corn. And yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, the, the herbicides are available to be used in some of these crops are totally different from what you would use in, in, uh, in permanent crops. Right, especially like certain Roundup Ready varieties or whatever they want to oh, call yeah. them, whatever genetically modified type yeah. of seed that is just makes it a totally different ball game. I'm sure. Yeah, because you don't and, almost have to be worried about <laughs> certain things yeah. as much, right? I don't know. Yeah, and 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 I think like in agronomic crops, you see a lot more like cases of of weeds uh, getting herbicide resistance to some of the some of the herbicides that are used just because like like what you were saying, like you have Roundup round ready crops and you kind of over relied so much on, on Roundup and, you know, sooner or later, you know, you start having a lot of weed escapes and you start seeing that, you know, that Roundup is being less effective on some weeds just because you, you, you use Roundup over a course of several growing seasons. And, and yeah, there's, there's a lot of cases and, of herbicide resistance and, and a lot of those agronomic crops where, where you have uh, Roundup Ready crops and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. for sure. This last season, um, going into the summertime, it was probably like May or something like that. I did a little spray of some glyphosate, you know, a little. Uh-huh. little double doser because I'm terrible and I did it at my house and I and I did this on my driveway and stuff, right? And, uh-huh. and where I parked my cars because I was yeah. des- desperate, desperado boy. And I, mm-hmm. I tried my best, and then my friend, who should not, who shall not be named, he came through, and he was like, uh, he was asking me questions about like, you know, what he should do with his yard and stuff, because you know he sees a bunch of weeds growing, and I go, well, take a look yeah. around, my friend, because these are the Roundup resistant weeds that you have, that I have, that I know you have, they're the same ones, and wow. it was mostly like. Uh, like the cheese weed, the mallow, oh, yeah. right? The uh, I don't, is it mare's tail? The ones that stick yeah, real so. straight up and go high, you know mm-hmm. these ones. And I'm like, bro, look around. That's you know spurge. I don't feel like it does very well with spurge. Maybe it'll burn it out for a little bit, but it'll come right back. Um, all wow. of these, bro. These are these are Roundup resistant. And then he so he he had a takeaway from the conversation where he learned something, which was really cool. Oh, okay. But it was I I was saying it out loud because I was learning something in real oh, okay. in reality watching it happen you know and i think that a lot of people if they don't read the label and they don't look and stuff they don't know and if they don't talk to a you know a, a weed management and ecology advisor like we are here today mm-hmm. uh, they just may just keep throwing the kitchen sink at it and hoping that it'll go away and they might use some craziness you know and yeah. it won't work it just doesn't work it doesn't matter how much you put on it just doesn't work on that plant for some reason yeah yeah i mean a lot of the questions i get asked uh, from like uh, homeowners, you know, their questions related to like, oh well, you know, I've been spray, uh, I've been spraying a uh, uh, glyphosate on 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 parts of my lawn and you know on the on the roadside of my property, and I, I can't seem to uh, kill some of these weeds. And you know, I think I think it's just 
that some people just don't know that there's there's more uh, herbicides you can probably buy from from like like the big box stores like Home Depot and Lowe's that you know that can work on some of those um, on some of those weeds. Right. And uh, yeah, it's just yeah, it's just a it's just a matter of knowing you know other other um, sometimes other herbicides that are available that you can use. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder. I wonder what other brands there are that people would notice at the, these stores. Because I worked at a hardware store for a while, and there was not a lot uh-huh. of brands. Most everything was like glyphosate oriented or two four D oriented for lawns. Yeah, and stuff. yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of it is, and it's just um, like the, just like in lawns, a lot of the herbicides that you'll probably see, like some of the lawn herbicides, um, are mostly herbicides that would control broadleaves. Um, some examples are like 2,4-D will only will only kill the broadleaf weeds. Um, dicamba-based herbicides, uh, and there's uh, and there's a few pre-emergent herbicides you can actually apply to your lawn that will mostly control most of the broadleaves. But uh, yeah, it's um, a lot of the herbicides you'll see at, at, a, at a like big box stores. It's like uh, they're more like glyphosate and you know, roundup oriented. And yeah, I, it's just, I can't think of any, um, lawn herbicides off the top of my head, just because there's a, there's a great variety. I think the, one of the ones that comes to mind is like spectricide, I think. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yes. And that's a, and that's like a, I think they sell it in a granular formulation and a liquid formulation. And it's one of those where you spray it and then you water your lawn so it can incorporate into the into the lawn and it will, uh, it has a wide range of, of control over a lot of weeds just because it's not it's not just uh, it just doesn't have post emergent um, activity but it has a pre emergent um, activity. Right. Yeah. Oh man, there's just so many. Like I'm right on the <laughs> laptop and it's just like there's so many. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's try to it's try to uh, to keep up with the names just because it's uh, they always change about every year. Right. Ones. Yeah. Is there a reason for that? I'm not sure. I think it's just uh, companies are able to just uh, like formulate uh, different herbicides with uh, with the active ingredients that are that are available, such as like like 2,4-D is the is the active ingredient name. Of, of that of, of, of those herbicides and like dicamba is also the active ingredient so how i mean usually how i memorize is you know i i i i know all the active ingredients i just you know it, it's tough to kind of uh memorize all the all the actual brand names just because they change a lot in in ag they don't change very much but there's, there's always companies that come out with like new formulations and there's sometimes some some herbicides are, are combined together, but you know they call it totally different. You know, the, it's a totally completely different name. Right, they got to switch it up. They got to have a cool name. They got to switch it <laughs> yeah. up because the formulation with just a, it's not two four D da 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 with a little little uh sub sub what's it called like a sub number and all this stuff. No, yeah. this is just two four D uh little and mm-hmm. big Z little yeah. too you know it's like what the heck this is now the same thing but just slightly just a little di- different 
Yeah. Uh, we and I also think that that may be a way to get around some regulations sometimes. Maybe. Yeah. You know, you got to tweak it just a little bit so it's not the same formulation yeah. exactly to the T. So it's not technically therefore like not allowed to be sold, but uh, it yeah. also could be because they're constantly honing in on the science end of things of what can be in there, what doesn't need to be in there, maybe what what uh, works better. Like you know, I don't know. They're right. always trying to do that, but I also think it's also kind of a way to skirt some regulation at times but it is what it is we, we're, yeah, we, I mean, we're no strangers to that in the united states if you live around here yeah. we all oh, know yeah. that that's just what 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 big companies do they like to oh, repackage yeah. it in a different package but it's the same old guy selling the same old stuff you especially know? uh especially like with glyphosate you know you have different uh there's like tons of different glyphosate formulations but you know you know they're just trying to not use the name Roundup and stuff. There's different companies that make glyphosate, you know, herbicides. But I think, you know, just the word Roundup kind of, you know, makes people kind of back away from, like, sometimes. Yeah, right, because of the uh, the, the public opinion yeah. on it at the moment, <laughs> for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's always going to be there. And oh, yeah. there's always going to be something else to be worried about that's in – our air, our water, our food, something. Right. You know, it's an endless list that we could be concerned about. Um, but at least we could still feed people. At least we could still oh, grow yeah. all these beautiful crops and, yep. you know, do amazing things that never have been done before the previous hundred years right. like this, you know. Yeah. And and like I was telling you earlier, I mean, if, I mean as long as you, you, you correctly use some of these herbicides, you know, you, you should be fine. You know, you shouldn't have any problems you know um i know there's a there's a lot of people that don't agree with the use of of, of herbicides just because of the way roundup has gotten a bad name but i mean i think it's you know the use of herbicides it's just one of the tools that we have to manage weeds and i mean and and as you know uh weeds is like a never-ending battle you'll you'll be battling weeds for you know sometimes for most of your life Really? Forever. Yeah, dude. Mm -hmm. When we're all long gone, the weeds are going to take over this building that we're in right now. They're going to take <laughs> over the streets whenever we're not driving cars on them anymore. You know? Right. <laughs> the Asteraceae will come back and haunt you. You know, the morning, the bindweed, yeah. the bindweed will take over your old house, you know? Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. Pretty much. <laughs> well, George, I feel like you're a very, uh, very well acclimated dude to this whole extension and cooperation thing. I think you're really well-spoken. I think that you um, just answering my email about coming on this podcast was super cool. I think the listener probably had a blast. I'm grateful to be able to pick your brain on some of these topics, but I'm also grateful to know another person out there that's making Cali agriculture an amazing place to be and to keep oh, it rolling, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. It was a, it was a, it was a pleasure talking to you. And yeah, it's a, uh, it's great that you're, uh, that you're uh, actually like talking about, you know, giving the opportunity to a person like me to talk about some of these topics. I think that's uh, that's wonderful. You know, if if we can help at least, you know, a few people, you know, just with this podcast, uh, you know, that's 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 great. <laughs> well, I think we can because definitely you helping me break down terms and uh, how things are used and. 
just in general, I feel like even if someone come, came listening to this and doesn't really know a lot about agriculture, but they're kind of starting classes at Reedley College, per se, or something right. random, you know, they might yeah. enjoy this content yeah. and be like, wow, I learned more from that than I did Dr. Smith. No, I'm just kidding. Shout out to Dr. Smith over there at Reedley College. I'm just joking, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's great. It is, um, though. It is, man. And uh, I hope that maybe in the future, you know, uh, you'd be down to come on again and we could talk more weed yeah, stuff, whatever way we want to go yeah. about it. We could do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, whenever, you know, you want to send me an invitation to come on again, that's uh, that's that's great. I, if you wanted to talk about uh, specific weed problems and certain crops, you know, I'd be I'd be more than happy to, you know, answer you know, or give out information about, you know, some of those topics. Yeah, absolutely. I wish that there was enough of following. And if there is, send it out, folks. Send it to the Instagram, like, or the, the questions and answers at the bottom of this on Spotify. Ask us what weeds we should talk about. What problems are you having out there, growers? What's something that you don't know how to deal with? What kind of pest management strategy is like the move for this weed? You know, we got to find it out. If you guys message us, we'll look into it and we'll make it an episode for sure. And even if you, no one does, we're still going to make an episode of it somewhere because George deals with these folks on a daily basis too. He, ta- he probably receives phone calls and emails about stuff like this all the time and uh, does some recon and finds out what the answer to the, sol- or the solution-ish to the problem-ish is there, there is available, you know. That's, uh, that's pretty much my job. Uh, a lot of times <laughs> I'll, I'll get asked questions about weeds that I have not even heard of, and it's, uh, it's my job to kind of look up information and check the, you know, check the literature and see what management methods that, you know, that are available to that work on some of these weeds. But, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much my job. Right. And then I had Dr. Cassandra Sweat on this podcast, probably, I think it was like episode number eight. And she was talking about broom rape and how it's messing up the tomato crops and all this stuff. It's, you know, like a a pathogen plant or something. It's some kind of plant that really is productive, but it like grows off of the plant, right? Like it's a parasite, essentially. I don't know. It was some weird weirdness that I was just taken aback by. Um, We could talk about that maybe next time. But either way, I'm excited. The listeners excited because they got something to look forward to now. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. And and I, and I know she was working with uh, with uh, with sanitation of of some of the equipment, right? Yes, yes. She, that was her big thing. Was like we need to find out and set a standard for sanitizing equipment and not making sure that this doesn't move from farm to farm because it would right. be really big big problem, big problem mm-hmm. from this broom rape. Yeah, yeah. Especially if if you're introducing that weed into other fields, man. That's yeah, that's bad. Yeah, like no more canned tomatoes type of bad folks. Like no more ketchup type right. of bad folks. Like yeah, it could be that kind of thing, dude. You'll probably see a, a big increase in some of that stuff if you know if if broom rape you know ends up spreading to you know to different fields and stuff, and it's really tough to manage, you know. Right, and then you know some would be like, well, then we'll just grow it somewhere else. Uh, well, good luck because there's a reason why they grow things certain places. It, it oh, just works best in their yep. certain locations. You know, you can't just grow tomatoes like on that scale just anywhere. Right. You know, I mean, especially like uh, like in that area, they have a lot more water than here in Central Valley. So you know, sometimes you you just can't grow processing tomatoes here. You know, uh, on in uh, in drought conditions. You know. Right. Usually, usually when we have wet, uh, dry winters, you know, you can't grow some of that stuff here very efficiently. So, yeah. 
Well, George, it's been a pleasure, and I want to say thank yeah. you. Uh, yes, yes. I want to thank the listener. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else you want to say? Uh, I, I'm actually uh, helping the Table Grape Advisor here in, in Tiller County host a, a field day at the at the Kearney Ag Research Extension Center. It's going to be held on November 21st, and we, we are offering like DPR and CCA credits. So nice. if you're interested more about, um, you know, try, uh, in you know, registration is free and, and lunch is going to be provided. So if you're if you're interested in in um, registering for this uh, for this field day, uh, I can um, provide you with my email, and you can email me, and you know, I can send you some of that information when it's available. But uh, my email address is um, I'm going to spell it out all, all letters. It's uh, it's J A. A N G E L E S at U C A N R dot E D U. Perfect, folks. Make sure if you're a PCA out there or something, you're getting those credits, whatever mm-hmm. it is you're after. But also go out there and see George. See him talk. Learn from the yeah. man himself in real time. I might even, if I got the time, bro, I might even have to be out there. What day is it fall on? Do you know? Is it like a Monday or a Tuesday? I think it's like on a Tuesday. I and hope it is because I work at the USDA, which is right across the street on Tuesdays. So I'm hoping to come oh, over okay. and see you that day, bro. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, we're gonna be talking about weeds. We're gonna bring out some speakers from different parts of California, uh, talking about weeds. And yeah, it's a, uh, it's great to meet some of the folks working on, on grapes and and weeds. And yeah, it's yeah, it's a, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully we get a good turnaround of of, of people out there. And yeah. Yeah, I hope so too, man. Yeah, Kearney's a cool spot, folks. Go check it out. Obviously, I'll put some kind of, I don't know what I'm going to put in the description yet, but something to get a hold of George. And then you heard it here. If you got to run it back, yeah. his email yeah, address. I mean, I'll leave it in and, the description. And and you have my number, and you know you can you're you're more than ha- uh, you know you can share that uh, with everybody too. Okay, for sure. I'll put that on there then in case they're like, I got to ask George, the myth, the man, the legend about this random yeah, weed. Yeah, I mean, if they want to send me some pictures of weeds and, you know, and, and, and they want more information, yeah they, yeah, they can go ahead and do that, yeah. Dude, this sounds good, folks. Mm-hmm. We have another uh, Cali Ag podcast correspondent, you could say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I'm super grateful for. So thank you, George. Thank you, listener. Yeah. And go tell your friends about the Cali Ag Podcast. This podcast was created through the Symbiosis Now Network and can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever the hell else you get your podcasts. And while you're out there exploring the other podcasts that this network creates, be sure to follow the network on Instagram at symbiosis.now.network, where we post lots of clips and highlights. And be sure to tune in to the Symbiosis Now podcast, the Cali Ag podcast, as well as history lessons from the lore master. And be sure to tell your friends about the Symbiosis Now Network.